0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Amen. Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll begin reading with verse 1. I want to talk to you today about the anointing, your great resource. The anointing, your great resource. You have a resource inside you when you sometimes think you don't. Sometimes when you think you are barefooted you forget about the entire store full of shoes that you ain't really own. Yeah. You have not just provision, you have resident inside you the provider himself. The anointing, your great resource. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Not anything in the house save a pot of oil. As though it was nothing. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Even empty vessels borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her, Son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed or stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Now, Father, dear, I thank you for the opportunity you have afforded us here to gather around this word today. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ that our great apostle Paul, our brother, prayed for the saints, that they might have the knowledge of Christ, that we might be filled with all the knowledge of God. And I'm praying now today for that, for these who are listening to this message today. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. That we come to know more about him. Hallelujah. Come to know of him better. Come to know that he is the way to God. The truth about God and the life of God. Hallelujah. Help us here today, Lord, to receive this Word as seed into good soil. Amen. I pray for every heart here to be prepared to receive the message. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the anointing, your great resource. As we are closing out a year and opening another year, you know, anytime you're in transition, it is an important thing to be well lubricated. Because friction takes place in transitions. Anybody here ever built a house? And your marriage survive it? If you build a house and your marriage survives it, that means you were lubricated because there's all kinds of terrible friction that goes on in transition times when you're moving from one realm to another, from one time to another, from one school to another, from one home to another, from one thing to another, one job to another. And in transitional times, it's really important that you focus on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the lubricant of the Christian life. You understand? That's why he's called the anointing. The anointing. He, he is in his flow called the anointing. When he flows, it's called the anointing. Everybody hear me. When the Holy Spirit is flowing, it's called the anointing. Yes. A pouring forth, if you will. And I want to say seven things to you from this passage of Scripture. There's seven verses, got seven things to say. The first one is, being part of the family of God does not automatically insulate you from trouble. Amen. Well, I may not have the right message, but this is the right house. They amend over that one. <coughs> Secondly, when you think you have nothing, you still have more than the world. You have the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. The third thing is you can increase your capacity to receive by borrowing from how other people receive. So and thirdly, fourthly rather, you need, with, you need to get along with God and your family and let the spirit flow in your house. Yeah. Oh, amen. And five, you can obey the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Number six, you can, you know, your provision is not based on your need but on your capacity to receive. Yeah. And the seventh thing we learned from this passage is the true source of your life is the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to look at this first thing. Let's look at these slowly for a few moments. Being part of the family of God does not automatically insulate you from trouble. How many of you found this out when you got saved? You thought all your trouble was over because that's what the guy that led you to Jesus told you. You'll never have another problem. Well, apparently he had had a really good day. <laughs> But the truth is, that's when trouble comes. Yeah. That's when what used to be friendly to you now is alien to you. Now it's not only alien, it's an animosity. It has animosity towards you. It, it, it is a danger to you. You know, you're floating down that old river of life. Nobody told you that there was a deadly falls at the end Nobody told you you were going to go over the, over, over the falls and everything that goes over the falls dies. No one told you you're just going to la 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 la. Say, what's the song? Pontoon. Jumping out the back door, acting like you don't want to. Don't act like you hadn't heard the song. I know what you listen to. <laughs> Floating down the river. And a log comes by. You get a hold of that log. It's cool. It, it helps you. Debris from something else. Pieces of an old house floating down the river. Yeah, you just get a hold of it. It's cool. It's easy. All kinds of other people, good swimmers, swimming down. You just lean on them a little while. Life is, life is easy. Then one day, here comes a guy swimming upriver. And he's swimming hard. And he's good. And he looks just like Jesus. Oh, look at him go. And he's got a rope behind him. And a whole bunch of people hanging on to the rope. And they start yelling out at you. Hey, get on the rope. There's a falls down there. You don't want to go that way. Get a hold of the rope. This Jesus, he can, woo, look at him go. He'll take you the other direction. It's going to be great. You won't die at the end of it all. Great, I don't want to die. You get over there on the rope. They don't tell you that what's about to happen to you is all those things that used to be friendly to you are now against you. Floating logs are not friendly anymore. They're potential projectiles. (sighs) Trouble comes when you get saved. It's not maybe. It's not likely to happen. It's going to happen because your whole life now is in the opposite direction of where it used to go. It's supposed to happen. Everybody understand this? It's supposed to happen. Now, we don't win people by telling them how bad it's going to get. We don't tell them that up front. You get them in and just let them find out. (laughs) Hey, come join us. It's going to be hell to pay. No, that's not the gospel. (laughs) <laughs> you just tell them the good news. They'll find out how tough it is. But here's the thing. You've got to keep preaching faith. That's why I preach faith and Holy Ghost here in this church all the time. Faith in the, Spirit, faith in the Spirit. 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 You hear these messages all the time. The Holy Spirit and faith. The Holy Spirit, that's where you just keep going on and on because we know what you're up against. And we want you to be successful. And the only way you're ever going to be successful in life is if you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and walk by faith. That's the only way you'll ever be successful. Everything else is just nonsense. Stay with it. Yeah. Stay in the flow. Because trouble coming. It doesn't insulate you from trouble. But the good thing about it is you have the victory. Yeah. No matter how much trouble is coming. No matter how many times you're beaten. No matter how many times you're accused. No matter how much persecution comes against you. You have the victory. This yeah. Is the victory that overcomes the world and everything in it. It overcomes the world, it overcomes everything. Even our faith. Second thing you find out is that when you think you have nothing, you still have more than the world. You have the anointing. Did you notice this woman said, when he said, "What, what do you want me to do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, oh, nothing. Not Nothing. A little pot of oil. When you think you have nothing, you have everything. You have everything you need inside you. You have everything you need. You don't come to church for Pastor Eric and Miss Heather to pour into you so that you'll have enough. That's not really what it's about. You come to church to be reminded and to be taught who you are in Christ yeah. and that what you have. You understand that prophet could have said, hey, don't worry about that. God's going to provide. He's just going to start pouring oil right down through your chimney. Just get, just get ready. And whenever you need it, it's just going to pour in. No, 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 he didn't talk like that. He asked her what she had in her house. What do you have in your house? God's not just going to wade into your life and start fixing everything for you. He doesn't operate like that. God gave authority to man, and he won't do anything in this earth until he gets some cooperation from somebody who has authority on this earth. He has to have a human being who's willing to receive what he wants to give, who's willing to partner with him in faith to receive what it is he wants to do in the earth. He's not just going to automatically do it. God does not respond to need. No, 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 you didn't get it. I said, God does not respond to need. If God responded to need, he would never come here, spend all of his time in India. You'd never see him if he responded to need. We're all so fat and overweight and well taken care of. We have no needs compared to what they they need out there in that world. God does not respond to need. Hear me. God responds to one thing. God responds to what you believe. The problem in all the nations of the world is not that they have need. It's that they worship the wrong things. Mm, This is good. I like the way I preach. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. When you think you have nothing. Story goes of a woman whose husband started laying out late and getting drunk. She never could quite catch him because he'd sneak back in the house the back way. But he had to come across that cemetery to get there. She figured it out. She thought, I'm going to get him. So she went down to the cemetery and she talked to the guys. Paid him 50 bucks, bribed him into digging a a grave right in the the trail where he had to walk late at night in the dark. Drunk. Next weekend, sure enough, he went out and got drunk. But before he left the bar, a neighbor of his who used that same trail left the bar. And he was drunk too. That old boy walked along there and fell right headlong into that grave. Jumped and scratched and tried to get out. Jumped and scratched and tried to get out, but he couldn't. So he just went over there and sat down in the dark corner. And waited well here in a little while the lady's husband comes along he'd walk along there falls headlong into the grave jump scratch and jump and scratch, scratch and try to get out finally here's a spooky voice from the corner back there behind him he said you can't get out of here but he did <laughs> amen you just need the right motivation praise God <laughs> believers don't get their motivation from outside believers get their motivation from inside you've got the resource of the Holy Ghost inside you You don't have to have it from out there. Oh, if God would just come and help me. The righteousness which is of faith does not talk like that. The righteousness which is of faith says, Jesus is Lord, glory be to God. It puts the word of faith in in his mouth and it speaks that way. Let me remind you, that is how you release the anointing of the spirit that's in you. How you release what's inside you is by how you talk. If you talk like a beggar, you'll live like a beggar. But if you talk like a child of God, you'll live like God in the earth. He can't help it, but pass on his jeans. My grandson just had a piece of gun, flipped it. He dropped it, it bounced, and landed it on my shirt. He, he just reached over there and picked it off. Said, I'm sorry. And told his mom, she was laughing about it. I said, I can't help how I pass on my jeans. I, I just can't. I mean, he's, he's just, that's, that's exactly something I would have done. It's exactly something his daddy would have done. Mm-hmm. You just can't help it. See, when God created you, he didn't just create you from dirt. He recreated you on the inside like him. He created you in the anointing, in the flow, glory to God, in the oil. Verse 3, then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of thy neighbors. Even empty vessels borrow not a few. And I said, you can, release, you can increase, rather, your capacity to receive by borrowing from how other people receive. It's why God has you connected to a church, to a local congregation. That's why God has you here. It's because those people sitting on the row next to you, they have vessels that you might not have. And You can borrow from other people's experience. That's how I received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I wanted it so bad. Oh, man, oh, man. I had to have it in my resume that I speak in tongues. I wasn't going to be no Baptist preacher. I was going to be a Holy Ghost preacher. And God bless the Baptists. They won many of us to Jesus. I'm not slamming them. I'm just saying. They don't allow guys like me to preach in their churches. Yeah, but do, you know, they don't, they don't understand Fred's prayer language. I had to have that in my resume and I wanted it so bad I was so hungry for God and I remember laying in bed in the middle of the night 2 o'clock in the morning something like that and I was frustrated and I threw the covers off and got out of bed and I had heard a story at my church they told how Aunt Georgie Mae had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and this is the pastor's aunt or sister sister-in-law I think uh, how she received the baptism in the Holy Ghost while she's washing dishes in the kitchen and so I thought well, I've been to church and I didn't get it. I'm going to the kitchen. Come on, look, tell two people you need to borrow some pots. So I borrowed her pot. I borrowed her pot and I went in there to the kitchen and I fell in on my knees and got gloriously filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Spirit in the kitchen i'm not saying you got to go if you haven't received yet and you're going to but if you haven't received yet i'm not saying you have to be in the kitchen but if you hadn't received any place else why do not you try the kitchen tonight it's a pot you can take the lord could have just done anything he could have just worked it any way he wanted to the prophet could have said yeah it's going to rain oil on your home for seven months when you need it, it'll just be there. Just go turn on the spigot. It'll, I mean, he could have come up with anything, but he didn't. He made it so that she had to depend on the relationship she had already built. Yes. Yes. That's good. Yeah, this is good. She had to depend on her neighbors. God will not let you be an island unto yourself and say, well, I just stay home. I worship the Lord at home. I don't go to church. I don't belong to any particular church because I'm just, you know, I'm just me. I just float around like in the cosmos. That's funny. The head's here and the body's over there. How long is that body going to live? you got to be connected. Connected. Hallelujah. Jesus is connected to his body, his congregated people. Hallelujah. We're We're not the scattered members. We're the collective members. Amen. You pinched my arm. I don't say you pinched my arm. I say you pinched me. That's how Jesus feels. One member suffers. Everybody understand this? That's why he put you in the church, so that you can have pots to borrow from. It's one of the main reasons, so that the flow of the Holy Ghost isn't just about you and God. It's about you being a part of something bigger than that. You being part of a community of faith that knows what it means to have pots for their oil. Glory to God. I read the story about Paul and Silas in jail. In prison, in Philippi. You all remember, they're in the deep, dark, dank dungeon. At midnight, and they start worshiping, and the ground shakes. Why weren't they doing something besides just, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All the other guys are over there, Hallelujah. Woe is me. Praise you, Jesus. I mean, the woe is me is more fitting in the deep, dark, dank dungeon. Those guys weren't out of place. It's Paul and Silas that were out of place. They were the weirdos. Where did you ever get the idea that you could have a worship service? In a place like that, where did they ever get the idea that somehow God could invade a place like that? That God could work a miracle right in the midst of something so awful? Yeah. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. God can work a miracle right in the most awful places of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd Paul get that idea? I'll tell you where he got that idea. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, Peter gets back from Cornelius' house and he's trying to explain what had happened there. And later down there in that text, it says, verse 29, Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined. Barnabas had already gone to Tarsus and brought brought Saul, Paul, to uh, Antioch. And this is where this is reading. Then the disciples at Antioch, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief, that is an offering, unto the brethren brethren which dwelt in Judea or Jerusalem, specifically, which also they did and sent sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and who? apostle paul look at the next verse next verse is next chapter now about that time that same time herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church and he killed james the brother of john with a sword And because he saw it pleased the jews he he proceeded further to take peter also peter's in prison you all know the story peter's in prison Paul and Barnabas have gone to Jerusalem taking an offering. Paul's first missionary trip is never recorded in the annals of Bible teaching. His first one was really this. He was entrusted to carry money to the Jerusalem church. And while he's there, they're at Mary's house. They began to pray for Peter being in jail. Mary is the brother of, or the sister rather, of Barnabas. Where do you think Barnabas took Saul to go spend the night? While they were in Jerusalem. That's where the whole church had gathered. Many of the church had gathered there to pray for Peter. That means. That Paul. And Barnabas. Were at Mary's house. The day Peter had an angel come. Into prison. Paul was at that house. I've never seen it before. Paul was at that house. Peter. Is knocking at the door. And they say that. There are all kinds of details to this story. The girl's name was Rhoda. They said she was mad. All kinds of details to this story that I wish they'd have just left out. Most of the time I think, well, why did they tell all this? Who cares what her little servant girl's name was who answered the door? And they all said she was mad. Why, why, who cares? There's a lot of details in the book of Acts that I wish they'd put in there that they didn't put in there. Like, like he'd, be in, he'd be in one sitting and they'd say, and, and when he came to Philippi, you know, 400 miles away. Well, what happened in all that time? He didn't just get there by bus. Yeah. I mean, and nothing happened that month that took him to get there. I'd I like to some more details, but they just leave it all out. But they go into great detail about who all was in that house. Yeah. Rhoda was her name. Are you listening to me? You yeah. know why? Why Luke and Paul and those guys knew who she was? Because she was the servant girl. Rhoda, would you get me this? Rhoda, would you get me that? Hey, Rhoda, come over here and do this. Hey, Rhoda, 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 Rhoda. They couldn't forget her name because they were there. They were there. Peter comes knocking at the door because an angel walked in there and turned him loose. His chains fell off and he comes back to that house and Paul is there and the reason I know because at the end of chapter 12 look it down at the bottom of chapter 12. Last verses. Verse 24. But the word of of God grew and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John whose surname was Mark. Now you know How the Apostle Paul knew that a miracle could happen in his prison cell is because he had borrowed a pot some months later, some months earlier, from a guy named Peter who had been delivered from a prison cell very much like the one he was in. Let me say to you somebody else's testimony is more important than you think it is because that same testimony that was built in their life was built by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that's inside you. All you really need is to borrow that pot and stand up and say, God, you did it for Joe Blow. You will do it for me. I heard Brother So-and-so say this, I'm going to have that testimony. Sister Smell Fungus got it. I'm going to get it too. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God did it for peter he'll do it for paul and if he did it for the two of them he'll do it for you right. can i have a good amen here glory to god borrow some pots come on ask somebody you got any pots i can borrow ask somebody else you got any pots i can borrow Young people, you need to stop saying old oh, school. That's going, to keep, that's going to keep you from receiving from the people. You need to walk around this church after church and find some people that are bald-headed and gray-headed and, and got those lines on their faces. Those tracks on their faces just means they've been places. Yep. They've done things. Ask somebody older than you about their story. Say, tell me your story. How would you get where you are in God? How would you get in that flow you got? I hear that you pray and things happen. I, I want that in my life. I, borrow some pots today, glory to God, and make a difference in your life. The devil is going to rob you of great blessings. If you keep thinking the, the old folks don't know anything, they might have some pots for you. Yeah. Verse 4, when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out unto, into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. The fourth thing I want to say to is you need to get alone with God and your family and let the, let the Spirit flow in your house. Yeah, Amen. You know why you feel the Spirit here? You feel the spirit here more when you've generated that flow at home and bring it here. You're helping somebody else with the way you come prepared for church. Amen. Amen. He said, close the door on you and your sons. I mean, when's the, think about it, When's the last time you just took your family and prayed with them? When's the last time you took your husband by the hand and said, honey, let's just pray. When's the last time you took your wife and said, baby, let's just pray. You don't have to call her baby, but it's not a bad idea. When's the last time you just took a little time just to pray? Just to pray about that stuff. Rather than arguing about that stuff, what good does that do? Whoever wins that, we know who wins. But (laughs) if you do this, sir, you don't have to apologize so often. Just pray. Let Let the Holy Ghost have an opportunity to manifest his power. You need to get along with God and your family and let the spirit flow in your house. Church is not just a place where you go. Create an atmosphere of the spirit in your home. Remember Cornelius, the very first Gentile, was saved, in church, uh, saved at home. He wasn't saved at church. He was saved at home. That's right. They brought church to him, praise God. Hallelujah. Now verse 5 says, So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. I've got news for you today. You can obey the word of God. This is not just for the giants of faith. You can obey the Word of God. You can do what you're told. She went from it and she shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. That's just repeating what the prophet had told her to do. She did exactly what the prophet told her to do. You can do what God tells you to do. He's not going to give you commandments you cannot do. (coughs) He's not going to require things of you that it's impossible for you to do. Now, he's going to require things for you that are going to take faith in the Holy Ghost to get done. Yeah. But you have this miracle-working power on the inside of you. If you speak in other tongues, you have a miracle on, in your mouth all the time. Yeah. You've got a miracle in your mouth all the time. Just open your mouth and begin to pray in other tongues. What really makes a, a Christian a successful person is that they have, they have certain spiritual practices. They read the Bible. Yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. i got one guy excited. God bless you, Charlie. <laughs> they read the Bible. They pray. That's yeah. getting a little better. <laughs> they go to church. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Y'all are here. Praise God. They tell people about Jesus. They witness. Yeah. Well, I don't realize that makes me nervous. I don't really know how to do that. What do you mean you don't know how to do that? What do you mean you don't know how to do that? Of course you do. Yeah, but I might say the wrong thing. Say the wrong thing. There is no bad way to tell a lost man about Jesus. He's going to hell. How bad can it get for him? There's no bad way to tell a lost man about Jesus. Just try. You know, do like my boys used to do when they were little bitty. They're both preachers, and they started on my front porch. They had a red wagon. It was the pew. Eric could stand up there on that porch. And he'd prance around back and forth. And he'd, do, <laughs> he'd prance around like this. I raised Pentecostal preachers. <laughs> prance around up there. And he'd say, and God. I listened to him preach. Here was the whole sermon. And God. And Jesus. And God. And Jesus. And he'd say, say amen, Brandon. And brandon say, Amen. Amen. And God. And then and here in a minute, Eric said, Now you preach, Brandon, and he'd run downstairs and jump in the pew. And Brandon ran up on the platform, and his sermon was exactly the same. It was, And God, and Jesus. Well, it might have been silly, it might have been childish, but let me tell you, tell you it, it, it turned into something. Yeah. What you do will turn into something. It might not look all that much on, on the surface, but just t- try it. I don't care if you get both feet in your mouth trying to tell them about Jesus. Tell them. Who cares? There's no bad way to tell a man, a lost man, about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just tell them what happened to you. So, oh, I don't know, man. All I know was I was dirty and I came up clean. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. But we get all weirded about it, acting like, not only can we act like we can't obey the Word of God, many people just get where they don't want to. Somebody told me the story about a That old Amish farmer who had a stubborn mule. Pulled and pulled and pulled and mule wouldn't move. Pulled some more and the mule wouldn't move. Finally the mule got so obstinate he just sat down. Just sitting there. Farmer walked over to the mule. Looked him in the eye and he said, Mule thou knowest that I cannot curse thee because I am Amish. And thou knowest that I cannot beat thee because I am Amish. But what thou knowest not is that I can sell thee to a Baptist. He'll be... Amen, amen. The fifth thing that makes a successful Christian life is tithing. Daily Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, witnessing, and tithing. Learn to tithe, learn to give, learn to pour out of your substance. It's a great blessing to you. Not only is it a blessing to your church, but it's a blessing to you. It opens the windows of heaven in a way. In a way. You understand this? In a sense, you partner with God in a way that you just can't you can't. You can't partner with him any other way. He, he, he wants you to sow seed. Learn what seed time and harvest. Remember, God's not ever trying to get anything from you. He's trying to get more to you. That's all he's ever doing. When he talks about tithing, he's just trying to get more to you. When he talks to you about witnessing, he's not trying to hurt your feelings or try to embarrass you. He's just trying to get more to you. He knows how much you love church, how much you love believers all around you. He's just trying to help you get more of them in. Anything you do in life, God's not that he orders you to do. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to get more to you. Come on, somebody say Amen. amen. Sixth, your promotion, or rather your provision is not based on your need. Verse six, and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel more. And the oil and the oil stayed. Your provision is not based on your need, but on your capacity to receive. Yeah. Amen. How rich is your God? Well, he's plenty rich. Yes. Not about whether or not he can provide. It's not about how much he has. It's not about, not about even what you need. It's about your capacity to receive. Amen. So you broaden your capacity. You stretch. God's always working to get things to you. Amen. He just wants you to be able to stretch your own heart, your own soul, your own life so that you can receive. I mean, somebody told me they wanted a healing ministry. I said, well, when's the last time you went to the hospital? One of my students said, I believe God's called me to the healing ministry. I said, When? Well, when's the last time you went to the hospital? He said, well, I'm not sick. I said, there's sick folk there. You're not going to start a healing ministry praying for people that aren't sick. (laughs) Look at there, man. He walked away well. Well, he came well, Dumbo. Go find some sick people. Pray for them. God's called me to India. Well, don't wait to go to India. There are communities of of Indians all over North Texas. Go find one of them and preach to them. God's called me to to Southeast Asia. You don't have to go there. They're all over Garland. I'm serious. You, know, you, have, you have people groups from everywhere. If God's called you to somebody, some people group, they're here. That's right. Go find them. Go be a blessing. You can obey the Word of God. Amen. Amen. God called me to Texas. I'm from Oklahoma originally. We got everybody saved up there and got to looking for sinners and there they were, a whole state full of them right across a river. <laughs> Just right across the river. Verse 7. Then she came, told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. The true source of your life is the anointing. This is how God wanted you to live. He wanted you to live with the anointing. He wanted you to live by that anointing that's in you. Not under the Babylonian system out there, but under the system of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. Uh You live in the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit. It's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 4. He said, if we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. He brought you into the thing, birthing you in the Spirit. He didn't birth you in your mind first. He didn't birth you in your body. I know you. Your body and your mind aren't, aren't rebirthed yet. But your spirit is. Yes. Your spirit is. That's why you can say things you don't even know anything about. That's why sometimes the preacher stands up here. We, we, we're always amazed at ourselves. Something I'm and I think, Dang, I didn't plan that. Where'd that come? That was really good. Can I say that again? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just comes out because Holy Ghost, you hear Pastor Brandon over here preaching. He just says things. You know, well, some of that he had to plan, but some of that just came right there on, on, on the cuff. Some of that just comes out of the Spirit. just comes out of the Spirit. You know, you know things you can't possibly know otherwise. Right. You yeah. see? When you're moving into a new dimension, moving into a new year, moving into a new time frame, new, moving into any, anything new in your life, keep it all up in the Spirit. Stay in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. It is your real source of life, glory be to God. Yes, right. Because if you try to live away from the things of the Spirit when you were born in the Spirit, you're just going to make a mess of your life. That's why politics and church, the politics of church ought not to be there. Most churches are so doggone political. Right inside the church, everything's about a board meeting. But we have board meetings here because we have to. You understand that? Because we have some really great people on our board, really wonderful people, who support the ministry. We don't have board meetings because we want to be political, and everybody get their say, and everybody vote, and all that nonsense. That's not in the Bible. Where would you ever get the idea that was in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. Well, yeah, they did vote one time before they got filled with the Holy Ghost. After they got filled with the Holy Ghost, that was Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, they all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and never had another (laughs) vote in the Bible. See, that other way is the Babylonian way. It's the system of the world. It's demonic. The spirit way is God's way. God brought you into the things of the spirit. He brought you into the things of the spirit. Wow. I got a call one time from a friend who had a friend. All of us CF&I graduates. And I've hired one Rama graduate my entire life. because I like hiring CF&I graduates. Now, my best, you know, my best friend in this church is a Raymond graduate, but I try not to hold that against him and him and Jana, John and Jana here. Yeah, Raymond's in Oklahoma. I guess he got that on me. But these two guys were, you know, they, they were close friends. One of them called me for the other one. And so he said, would you call him and encourage him? I said, I always try to help the CF and I guys. I called him. His name's Gary. Gary, what's going on? Oh, I've heard about you, Pastor John. Uh, Tony tells me a lot about you. I said, well, I'm glad to talk to you. And as I'm talking to this guy, the Spirit, of God, the Spirit of the Lord tells me, invite him to preach. I think, no, I ain't invite him. Yeah, what? Yeah, invite him to preach. Really? I'm going to invite him? Whew, okay. Uh, Yeah, Brother Gary, I I just want to know when you can come and preach for me on a Sunday night. He said, What? I said, Well, you're trying to get your ministry started? Come come speak for me. The Lord just spoke to me and told me to invite you to. Okay, would you just tell me when? I'll make it happen. Okay, so we got a date. He hung up the phone. I found out later they went over and sat in the corner. He said, For an hour and a half and worshiped God and cried. It really touched my heart. Well,. He shows up. I told him, I said, I want you to come to church on Sunday morning with us. You come Saturday night and go to church with us Sunday morning, and then you'll preach Sunday night, and then we'll do that. But I kind of want you to get a feel of our church. The church is really a rocking place, you know. He comes Saturday night. We take him out to eat. And he had this squirrel. No, No, I mean, it was was a little girl, but she she was like like an untamed squirrel at our table. (laughs) Climbing on the table. It looked like someone had performed surgery on a dog on our table after she was done. It was horrible. It was awful. I'm thinking, get this kid under control. She she was just wild, just everywhere. Crackers everywhere and food everywhere. It was a real nice restaurant, too. I was going to try to show off a little bit, you know, take him out someplace nice. He had this circus animal with him. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm just telling you how I felt. It was bad. We got back home. I told my wife, I said, either God is playing some big trick on me or I don't know how to hear his voice. I thought, sure, he told me, but this is crap. I can't have this guy. This is loony. And, and not, not to mention, he acted like a squirrel. He was just weird. I didn't like him. didn't like the way, I didn't like anything about him. I just said, oh, this guy is distasteful. Because i disciplined my kids. I don't know if y'all know My kids are disciplined. I wasn't going to have them be called preacher's kids, typical preacher's kids. I wasn't going to have that in my house. Nonsense. Pastor's kids ought to be better than everybody else's kids. I know that's tough, Dylan, but it's still the truth. <laughs> Not worse than everybody else's kids. Anyway, we uh, got to church the next morning. I preached, we had a great service, you know, lots of people there. And I announced he was going to be preaching. I got him out in the car, and we were headed to the restaurant. I look over him, he's got his head down. I said, brother, what's the matter? You enjoy the service? He said, I don't know why I'm here. I said, you're here to preach tonight. Oh, oh yeah, 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 I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Just, so, God, what a weird deal. I, mean, I just want to backhand him, I'm telling you. I just... <laughs> I'm a really nice guy until that redneck comes up, you know. Man, so we went on to eat and went got him for the service that night. Come in there and we have church. It's great. About 150, 200 people there. It wasn't wasn't a huge crowd, but and uh, we uh, turn him loose and he opens the Bible and he starts preaching. Can I put that in quotations? Preaching. And it was. He fiddled with that text for 20 minutes. Couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to say. As a preacher, we all knew, where is this going? It was just bad. And about 20 minutes into it, I'm over there praying, God, stop this man. (laughs) You know, most of the time you want the people out there praying for the pastor, going, oh, Father, help him. Help him. Oh, anoint him. Praise God. You know, I had a woman in Austin. Her name is Pam Hardy. Man, she prayed in tongues all, every time when I was preaching. I preached like a crazy man. with That woman praying in tongues out there interceding for the word of God to go forward. I was praying for the word of God to Stop. I wanted this to stop. I was sitting over on the side going, oh, Jesus, stop this lunatic. What, why did you break? And then about that time, he walked off the platform like this. And I thought, okay, great. This is going to turn into a two-hour sermon now that he's walking around. <laughs> and he walked down the aisle. And back deep in the audience, he said, you, stand up. And this guy who was there for his second time, he'd come Sunday morning. And he's back Sunday night, and the only reason he's back Sunday night is because Pastor Eric said, if you'll come to church, if you're, you're, the reason you're not going to church is because you don't have a car. You come to church tonight, I'll give you a car. He had an extra car. He said, you got to come, though, to church and get the keys. That guy was back there. And that prophet walked back there, said, you stand up. And began to read him his mail and tell everything about him. till so the guy's weeping. And pouring out his heart, he said, come out here. And he, he'd come out there. And he'd been a tough guy. i been in gangs and stuff. And he comes out there. And the guy, Gary just lays hands on him. And the guy went wham! Didn't even know anything about this stuff. Just went wham! Into the ground, into the floor, bawling his eyes out. And Gary turns around. There's another big old guy there. Big, tough guy. And uh, this guy's a little wimp. I'm mean, the kind of guy that you just want to get under, you know, walking down the high school, you know, the center hallway at high school, you know. He's one of those kids you'd have under your arm, just punching him like that. That's That's, that's Gary. Trying to beat some sense into him. He's standing there, and he's looking up at this big old tough guy, going, just reading the right act to him, I'm telling you, prophesying the word of God. And this guy's got a big old Jesus T-shirt on He's the biggest fake in the church. Not that there weren't others, but he was the biggest one in the church. Big fake. Big old Jesus T-shirt. Did, you know what I mean? Fake. But the prophet saw right through it, saw right under his clothes, saw what a fake he was. And the guy just, bam, just fell down in a heap. God talking to him. And I know everything about these guys is what's going on. I'm going, oh Jesus, don't tell him nothing about holler. It's just between you and me. <laughs> well he starts walking around like a hungry lion after his Christian dinner, you know. I mean, man, he's he's walking around, a Roman lion. And walks through that audience and picks out every single staff member. We had teachers in our school, various ones. There's no way he could have known who they were. Picked out every person that was on the payroll of that, that church that was there that night. And prophesied over them and gave them the correct word about their life. I knew everything was going on in their lives. It was their pastor. Picked out every staff member that I had, about 20 or 25 of them, and prophesied over correctly over every last one of them. By the time it was over, I was just screaming. I just took off running around the room. Going, oh God, I knew, I knew your voice. (laughs) It was the most powerful demonstration of the prophetic ministry I've ever seen since, before or since. You were there. It was amazing. Utterly amazing. And it was in a cuckoo. (laughs) Guy who had nothing in his house about a little pot of oil (laughs) glory to God it is your source of life get over in the things of the spirit you'll find a resource that beats any of the other connections you can make and it's already in you remember 2013 2013 isn't blessed or cursed. It is what you make it. And you're blessed. God's not cursing anybody. He cursed Jesus so you wouldn't have to be. He's not out to punish you. He's not punishing anybody. He punished Jesus 2,000 years ago so you could live in the flow, live in the blessing. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I know it's coming for the people of God. Now, Father, I thank you for these, your people. Thank you for the flow of the spirit of the living God and the power of your word to change everything for us, to help us get in the flow and stay in the flow. Thank you for this great resource. Help us, Lord, to remember to borrow the pots, to tap into the resource of of the ability to receive, increase our capacity by our fellowship with others and receiving what they have for us. Thank you for your people now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to OneCauseChurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at OneCause Church.